0: have you ever felt like all was lost? No matter what you did, nothing was right. All was wrong. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever prayed during those times and poured your heart out to God? But if you have, then you know what it means to lament. You know what I mean when I say that Psalm 4 contains a lament. Well, what is a lament? Well, It's hard to define, but you can see it in pictures. One man put it this way. In iconography pictures, the helplessness of outstretched arms, the postures of kneeling in supplication, or of abandonment and lying upon the dust of the ground, how both body and spirit are poured out in grief, express the most intimate feelings of grief in a very public way. Such lament follows the theme that once everything was good, but now all is lost. Therefore, David's lament focuses on this single truth. Despite what he may be experiencing from others, he wants them to know, and he wants God, and God wants you to know this. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when you call. When facing difficulties in life that cause us distress, we may begin with prayer as David did, as did our Lord Jesus. David begins, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. I like the New Living Translation of that verse 1. It says, Answer me when I call to you, O God who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. This translation reminds me that God declared the Lord Jesus innocent. And because of Him, He declares me innocent. In this connection we read of our Lord Jesus, while he was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. God heard his prayers. When going through difficult times, we are to turn to the Lord if we, are, if we weep, we are to weep before him. You know, life is not easy. The conflicts we face, that we're faced with every day, are enough to cause grief and bring tears. They really are. Listen to the news, it'll make you cry. That's why I don't listen to it very often. When I was in seminary, we faced a very difficult situation time in our lives we were without money and we had uh, no insurance and my daughter Michelle had a growth in her neck that was growing and growing and growing And we took her to the doctor and they drained it and drained it till finally the doctor said she needs a surgery well I didn't have money for surgery and I didn't have money for food and I was angry I was angry at God. Here I picked up everything. I, I I spent everything to go to seminary, and here we were in this position. And uh, my daughter needed the surgery, and I had to go to the county, and I had to go to the public welfare department, and I had to get food stamps, and I had to crawl like I didn't want to, and it it was a it was. It was a blow to my pride. It really was. And in the midst of all of that, when it finally hit me, I got on my knees in my office, and I just started to cry. And I prayed to God, you know, whatever your will is, I accept this. And we went on. And it was hard. And my daughter had her surgery, and they removed that growth that was in there. And it was after the surgery that my doctor, that the doctor told us, the surgery went well. And I was so happy that I was able to do that surgery and not hit a nerve, because if he had gotten a nerve which was very close, he could have deformed her face for her life. So I was real rejoicing then that I didn't know that until afterwards. But you see, I had to. Cry, God had to break me. He literally had to break me so that I would cry out to him. Well, God wants us to bring all of our struggles to him, all of our difficult decisions, all of our deepest trials. You know why? Because the Lord has set the godly person apart for himself, and the Lord hears when we call him. He wants us to do this. Now in our prayers for deliverance, we usually tell God what, we usually tell God what's going on. Yeah, we do, don't you? I do. Doesn't God know what's going on? Yeah. Well why do we tell him what's going on? Well, because we're pouring we're our hearts on like we would do to our own parents, right? They know what you're going through. You go home, you tell them maybe they don't know all the details, like God will know all the details, but you pour your heart out to them. Well, that's what we do with God. God knows what's going on, but like David, we rehearse the details before God. Look at verses 2 and 3. Oh, man, now I know that he's not talking to the people that are leaving him here at this time. He's talking to God. Oh, man, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? How long will you do that? How long will you love deception? David delineates his difficulty. Those he trusted and depended upon as he sought to lead the people were deserting him. That's The men he's talking about are not just normal men. The men he's talking about are high-born men. If you look at the NIV, that's how it's translated. These are the guys who are in leadership in the country. They have deserted him for, and they're leading the people astray. They were deserting him, and in doing so, they were pulling people away. So he cried out to God for relief from the distress he was experiencing. They were men of reputation, they were leaders, and for some reason, they were departing from the truth. And there's different opinions about the historical context of this that we don't need to get into. But as they departed from the truth, you need to know this, the people would depart as well. Now, most versions read that these men were seeking after lies, and that's that's a good translation. But the NIV interprets it more, it, it gives a more interpretive translation. It says, they seek after false gods. Now, why? Why would the NIV translate they seek after false gods? because in seeking after lies, they were seeking after those things which do not help. They were seeking uh, they were seeking for substitutes for God. and that's what they were doing. and that's what we do. They were essentially looking to other gods. Whenever people seek after lies they seek after false gods. whether those gods are called gods or not. For example, money is not called a God. However, when a person seeks security in money, he seeks after a lie. He seeks after another God. Because money cannot provide security. Oh, yeah, if you have enough of it, you can get through okay in your life and all that. But you're looking to the wrong thing. Some people look find security in health. That's why we have all this health craziness going on. You know, all the gyms are open up. People always working out, being fit. There's, those are good things, by the way. Nothing wrong with money. Money's good. Nothing wrong with working out. That's good. Health is a good thing. All of those things are fine. But there is security in nothing or anyone other than the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, these men sought after false security, and the people were following them. This stresses the importance I think of leadership. This was true of Israel for old, of old. For example, listen to Micah the prophet. Now hear this, heads of the heads, heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and twist everything that is straight, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice. Her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe. Her priests instruct for a price. And her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord saying, Is not the Lord in our midst? It was all pretentious. Calamity will not come upon us. That's what they thought. But God says, therefore, on account of you, Zion will be plowed as a field. Jerusalem will become... A heap of ruins, and the mountain of the temple will become high places for a forest. You see that? You have these false leaders, these false teachers. They're leading people astray, and they're saying, oh, everything's okay. Everything is good. We're going to be fine. And God says, no, you're not going to be fine because you're lying, and you're leading the people to seek uh, their confidence in lies. Our Lord Jesus warned us of false prophets and their ability to lead people astray. He said, and if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, even the elect." take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. What is he saying? Don't listen to these false prophets. Why? Because I have told you the truth. Listen to my word. Don't listen to theirs. Idea, don't listen to anybody but what the word of God says. I don't care what a prophet says. It's what the scripture says. I don't care what a leader says. It's what the scripture says. We have to trust in God. Leadership is crucial to the church and the Lord teaches that we read in Titus chapter 1 verse 7 through 11 about elders for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward not self-willed not quick tempered not addicted to wine not pugnacious not fond of of sordid gain but hospitable loving what is good sensible just devout self-controlled holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching notice that in accordance with the teaching the teaching that we have so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict for there are many rebellious men empty talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid game. People are out there trying to lead people astray, trying to take the church to go in a million different directions, and people will follow them. And we have to be aware of that, and we have to be careful not to do that. David indicates that many people were questioning God's goodness. They were saying, who will show us any good? leadership at the time was failing they were losing confidence in their king and in their god there are always doubters i know because i struggle with that i am always crying out to the lord i believe lord but help me in my unbelief like david we pray lift up the light of your countenance upon us Lord god why is this important for you well In the near future, you will be faced with calling a new pastor. There are three approaches to calling a new pastor. First, someone in this congregation could work with me. I could help them through the process. Then that man could become your new pastor. Personally, I believe that is the best approach. So, pray that God would bring somebody here that would do that. The second best approach is to bring in an intern. An intern would work with me for a year, and then, God willing, he would transition into being the pastor. During his internship, he would complete presbytery exams for licensure and ordination. But most importantly, during that year, you would get to know him. During that year, you would get to know his family. During that year, you would be able to test him, and he would be able to test you. During that year, he would work with the session and be on the session and and be part of us and be helping us make decisions during that year. And during that year, yes, he would see our faults just like we will see his. And during that year, he would say, well, you know what? We have faults, but let's all pull together and work through them. The least preferable way to call a new pastor is what most churches do, and most do. Get resumes. Choose a few candidates, bring in a few to preach and visit with the folks for a week or two, and then make a choice. That's the way most people call pastors. And so often, what, re, what, what results is, is grief. I know too many instances of that. So what should we be doing as a congregation? Well, let's see. We don't have enough money to call a pastor. We don't have enough money for an intern. We don't have this. We don't have that. But what do we have? We have the Lord. Yes. So what should we be doing? We should be praying to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord has set the godly person aside for himself, and the Lord hears us when we call. And so we should be praying for this particular issue that David is talking about in this psalm. Now, this psalm overlaps into other areas of our life, to be sure, but this is on the surface of the psalm. This is what the psalm is crying about, the failure of leadership in Israel. And David is saying, Lord, help us. And that's what we need to be saying, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, give us what we need. But then we notice that David's com- we notice David's composure in the midst of lament he says in verses 4-8 through eight, tremble and do not sin meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still Selah. offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord you have put gladness in my heart when their grain and new wine abound As most of your versions are going to read um, better than, or yeah, better than their new grain and wine. Um, it's better to understand is when they're at the time, at the time when the grain abound. Uh, there's gladness in the heart of David. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Now the trembling mentioned could either be trembling in fear or in anger. Either one depends on what depends on what's going on. Either way, the idea is that though you may fear or be angry, don't sin. Trust in the Lord. Meditate on the Word of God in relation to your struggle. For example, since leadership has been mentioned, don't fret about what might or might not be. Think about what the Lord wants and trust Him to work things out. Do we need money? Yes then trust that he will provide. Let me give you an example. If I were to get on my knees and pray for $50,000 today, I'm not sure if that I have. I've never done this, but I know somebody that has. My friend, David Brack in Amarillo, Texas, we were talking one day about church planning and, yep, and things like that, starting another church in this town or that town, leading Bible studies, and David said, well, you know what, I need money to do this he said i'm gonna pray to god and i'm gonna ask him for fifty thousand dollars now i was shocked and so was david when he called me on the phone about a week later and said john guess what i said what he said a salesman in our church came up to me and said david i didn't have i didn't i didn't know how much i made last last year but when i totaled it all up i i didn't give enough and so this is my to cover for my tithe.' and he gave him a check for $50,000. <laughs> now, can God do that for us? Yes. 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 Do you believe that God can do that? Yes. The question is, will God do that? Right? But yeah, yeah. Are we pr- <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Are, we pray- are we praying to the Lord to provide what we need? Not a certain amount of money. But for example, it would cost about $50,000 to bring in uh, an intern because the The denomination will help us, but we have to cover the most of it. So are we praying for that? That would be the best way to get a new pastor. As I begin to wear out, we could have a new guy come in and the transition will be easy, right? Should we ask for that? Should we be praying for that? Are you praying for that? I, I hope you are. I hope you are. God knows what we need. And you have to know this. This is not my church, and it is not your church. You are the church. We together are the church, and God cares for us. The Lord's design for his church may be suffering. What will we do? Look at China. I put an insert in the bulletin about praying for China. Look at what they're going through. Will God allow that to come upon us? Well, he he may, when I look at what's going on around in our country. Look at the churches churches in Muslim-controlled countries. They are not free like we are. But in China, India, and all other places where the church suffers, by God's design, the church grows and becomes strong in him. So then how do we pray? Well, we pray as our Lord Jesus prayed we pray as our Lord Jesus prayed. And how did he pray? Well, remember the night he was arrested? He went a little beyond his the apostles, the Peter, James, and John, and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. So when we go to prayer, how do we pray? I don't know what God wants unless He reveals it in His Word. The scene that we see of Jesus praying is one of lament. Jesus was lamenting for what He was about to face. And like Him, we must embrace the truth. Because He was praying as David prayed. Jesus prayed fulfilling David in Psalm 4. Because you see, what was happening to Jesus? The leadership had rejected him. The leadership gathered together before Pilate and said, crucify him. The leaders stood at the cross and said, hey, he said he was the son of God. He trusted God. If that's true, let him get down on the cross. Get off the cross and prove it to us. The leaders were the one who was taunting him, and the leaders were leading the people away. But Jesus he gives us this example because we, he, ever leave, he ever lives to intercede for us and he wants us to pray knowing and embracing the truth that the Lord has set apart the godly man the godly person for himself and the Lord hears he does hear when we call to him all right Therefore, whatever your lament may be, be it family, work, finances, church, or whatever you can, uh, whatever you struggle with, in peace both lie down and sleep, for the Lord alone makes you to dwell in safety. And he does so because he has set you apart for himself. And the Lord hears when you call him. Let's pray. Father, you alone know what you have prepared for those who love you. Our Lord Jesus said that He would prepare a place for us in Your heavenly mansion. We have grown up in a world that calls us to put our hope in the things of the world, in people, know, in jobs, in money, in education, in yeah, all things I that it. are good, I, I but had, not eternal. Therefore, help us to rest, rest in, in You and trust yeah. in Jesus. Help us to know yeah, the Holy okay. Spirit whom oh, yeah. you have given. Help us to look to you for all somehow. our good. Give us the peace that passes all understanding that we might peacefully lie down and sleep. Knowing you do do alone this? make yeah. us yeah. dwell in safety in, in the safety of your hands. And, Help us um, to know that no one can snatch us out of your hands. In you and you alone, through Jesus Christ our Lord, do we dwell and the safety of your Holy Spirit. Amen.